on a Saturday morning at CCO Land Time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are things this morning? I'm well, thanks for asking. I'll be better once we get these showers and get my lawn green again. That would be nice. <laughs> that is much needed water, that's for sure. Yeah, but I'm not complaining. I kind of like this warmer weather, I must say that. You're, yeah. a, you're a fan of the uh, the, the hot stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, not real hot, but I love how it's been lately. No humidity oh, sure. in, in the low 80s. That's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. We wait but for that for a long time. Absolutely. All winter long. Yeah. What's going I on today? I thought today I would talk about, speaking of warm weather, things like that, Absolutely. all winter long. Yeah. What's going I on today? I thought today I would talk about, speaking of warm weather, things like that, the trend to ABC, which is anything but Chardonnay. And if you're in that camp and you just don't care for Chardonnay, boy, do you have other alternatives. And the other alternatives are absolutely fantastic. One we should start out with is Riesling. Riesling is considered by most one of the great white wines of the entire world. It's usually semi-dry. It has a fabulous history. And, of course, Riesling goes with so many foods. If you're having smoked ham or smoked pork chop, there'd be no better wine in the world than a Riesling to have with that. Or if you're having smoked trout as a starter with a little horseradish sauce, uh, a Riesling with that would be just perfect. As I said, the Riesling grape is one of the great grapes of the entire world, and whatever happened there is a total mystery. Back in the 1500s, it sold four times the amount of wine that it sells today. Uh, that's just uh, the German areas that produce Riesling. Imagine that, four times what you sell today in the 21st century. They sold in the 16th century. Uh, it has a noble history. The Romans planted wines there to begin with, and up and down the Mosul and the Rhine. In fact, today, if you ever have the opportunity to tour that part of uh, Germany on these river cruises and that the vineyards are absolutely spectacular going up and down the sides of the Mosul and the Rhine River and it's, a, it's so interesting to watch them work there because they have to work with pulleys from above it's so steep that you couldn't just walk down there you have, are in like a little sling and a pulley takes you up and down and you kind of work the vines that way even the harvest so it makes it expensive to take care of those kind of wines and as I said, uh, medieval Germany was when German wines were at their peak, and their uh, culture spread all over Europe. It was unbelievable. Uh, Schloss Johannesburg was considered one of the great wines of the world. And then uh, German wines got very popular in this country after World War II, and there were wonderfully creative names like Liefrau milk, which means virgin mother's milk, or Mosel Blumchen the flower of the Mosul. And then we had Maywine, and Maywine you'd serve with a sliced strawberry inside it, and it was a wonderful way to welcome spring. And, of course, Germany still has the Geisenheim Institute, which uh, propagates Rieslings all over the world. So you get Rieslings, and very good ones, I might add, from our Finger Lakes district in New York, in this country, probably produce some of the best Rieslings outside of Germany. And virtually every wine-producing country in the world produces Riesling. Whatever happened to it, who knows? It just isn't as popular as it once was, but uh, it, it's still a, a great...
grape type that shouldn't be avoided. And once in a while, it just hits the uh, bill just perfectly for what you want to have with a particular dish. Our old friend, Dr. Tanish, who, of course, died a century ago, uh, his Riesling, Tanish's Riesling, is a wonderful, good adaptation of Riesling and a good representation that you can enjoy. Not very expensive. It's about $12 a bottle. And, you know, the vineyards of Germany are the northernmost vineyards in the entire world. Uh, And those beautiful rivers, the Mosul and the Rhine that I talked about a minute ago, they act as sort of a heating and air conditioning system uh, for uh, the grapes. And In other words, in the winter, the, the warm waters keep it temperature moderate and the summer the temperature of the river cools them off very nicely they plant them on slate vineyards and that slate holds the sun in to warm them at night so that's why being the northernmost vineyards in the world they still produce some marvelous wine so riesling can't be avoided and you should really think about that to try it once in a while i like to say i just don't know whatever happened there uh, 25 years ago I would buy ugh, maybe 10 containers of German wine a year, and a container is over a 1,000 cases. So there's a lot of wine, and nowadays we're lucky if we buy one container a year uh, of German wine. So the, the, the wines have dropped off, but for what reason, I don't know. I guess there's too many other wonderful wines around the world to compete with, etc. But indeed, why not give it a try? The other wine, ABC, that we have to take into consideration is Sauvignon Blanc. Now, Sauvignon Blanc is a phenomenal wine. It's the principal white grape type, or one of the principal grape white grape types of the Loire Valley in France, and certainly is the principal white grape type of Bordeaux. And in Bordeaux, the Sauvignon Blanc is blended with Semillon, and it produces some wonderful, wonderful wines. Uh, Bordeaux Blancs are overlooked by everybody, and they shouldn't be. They're just delicious, and they fill the bill so nicely. They're usually uh, very good, and at low prices, you can find good Bordeaux Blancs between 10 and $15 a bottle that would rival any kind of wine anywhere. They really are very, very good. In fact, Sauvignon Blanc probably comes from Bordeaux originally, even though it, it went up into the Loire and other parts of France, and for that matter, other parts of Europe, and then it has been shipped overseas to other countries like New Zealand, where 85% of the wine produced in New Zealand is Sauvignon Blanc. Australia, about 20% of the wine is Sauvignon Blanc. But in New Zealand, of course, they really produce fabulous Sauvignon Blanc. It has good vegetal qualities and light crispness, uh, and that's why it's so very popular. Uh, but they, they say it came originally, Sauvignon Blanc, from Bordeaux, and the name is from Wild, Sauvage, and Sauvignon Sauvage. And so they think the grape type was really indigenous to France and, you know, worked out by the Romans and all those others all through the years. And today, Sauvignon Blanc is really uh, a wine of the world. Whether you're in South Africa, Chile, New Zealand, etc., you get this terrific, uh, crisp white wine that no one can deny the pleasures of Sauvignon Blanc. And of course, in my opinion, the Ph.D. of Sauvignon Blancs goes to Sancerre. Sancerre is a little area in the Loire Valley of France, 
and they produce a, a Sauvignon Blanc there that's very complex, much more complex than any place else in the world. And Sancerre is just a delightful wine. Uh, if you get a chance, try it, particularly if you like Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, try a Sancerre. You may never go back to drinking just regular Sauvignon Blanc. Just want that Sancerre. It's that good. Then there's other places like in Bordeaux, the Entre du Mer. Now, that's, Entre du Mer means between the two seas. And actually, it's between two giant rivers, the Dordogne and the Garonne. And this area in there, Entre du Mer, produces Sauvignon Blanc that just cries for lobster and shellfish. And Entre du Mer is always very inexpensive, about $12 a bottle or something like that. And it is really delicious. And, of course, like I say, any of these Bordeaux are, are interesting. You know, Bordeaux is such an interesting place. It goes from buying a little 9 or $10 bottle of Entre du Mer to buying a $1,000 bottle of the great Chateau Yaquem. But that's a whole other story. Chateau Yaquem is a sauterne and uh, is harvested late, and the, crushed, the berries are crushed when they're like raisins, and it produces probably the most complex and interesting white wine in the entire world. But it's very, very sweet, and usually is had uh, as an aperitif when you're serving foie gras, or usually after dinner, and with something very simple in the dessert. If you're having something like ikema, dried apricot is the perfect accompaniment to it. Simple, easy, and displays the you came just beautifully. And so Sauvignon Blanc is somebody that has to be considered when we're looking at all of these other white wines of the world. Uh, the next one is uh, Pinot Grigio. <laughs> Much to my chagrin, I didn't realize how popular Sh Pinot Grigio is. Do you know in this country, after Chardonnay, it's Pinot Grigio. I might have thought it was Sauvignon Blanc, but no, it's Pinot Grigio. And Pinot Grigio actually came from France, Pinot Gris, from uh, the Alsatian area. And uh, so when you get a Pinot Gris from, say, Oregon or Washington or someplace like that, it's really uh, Pinot Grigio. And Pinot Grigio grows all over Italy, everywhere. Uh, it's just a wonderful wine, and it runs the gamut from fruity and dry to dry and mineral to sweet. Uh, it's just a, a marvelous wine. I think it's my favorite aperitif wine if you're having people over for a dinner or something. A good Pinot Grigio is what to serve in advance. You just really can't go wrong. And, of course, if anybody deserves credit for Pinot Grigio, it's the Santa Margarita people. They created Pinot Grigio, really, in this country, or the demand for it. And anyhow, now there's all sorts of Pinot Grigios, and you have so many to choose from. And they're really uh, very similar in style, etc. But uh, again, we owe a little vote of thanks to those folks at Santa Margarita that really popularized uh, Pinot Grigio in this country. Uh, and anyhow... Moving right along, there's all sorts of other things from Italy uh, that you might want to have. Vermentino, Soave, Verdicchio, Asti, and then the very Sardinian Liguri white wine, etc. Just um, uh, There's an absolute host of different white wines from all different parts of the world. From Austria, you can have Gullner Veltner. And Gullner Veltner is one of the few wines that goes well with asparagus or Brussels sprouts. 
And then, of course, we have another popular white wine, even though it's sparkling, is Prosecco. We can't really ignore that. Prosecco is a very interesting wine in that uh, it's the only wine I'm familiar with where they change the grape type to Prosecco. The original grape type was Gela, G-E-L-A. And uh, they decided that because Prosecco became so popular, they would change the name of the grape type etc. And, and the area it's produced in Italy is the only area entitled to the name Prosecco. And they've just introduced in the last two years Prosecco Rosé, which incidentally is very, very good and worth trying, in my opinion. Uh, then, of course, from Portugal, we have Vino Verde, which is one of my favorite white wines. There's a little spritz in it. It's so young, it actually referments on your tongue and causes a little fizziness on uh, your tongue when you're enjoying it. Vino Verde from Portugal. And Chenin Blanc. Uh, Chenin Blanc is the principal grape type of Vouvray in the Loire, and Vouvray is my favorite wine to have with Turkey. So Chenin Blanc, uh, particularly in South Africa, makes some very, very wonderful wines. And from uh, the Rhone Valley, Viognier, Marseille, are a couple of whites that are good. And the Alsace, Gavortsterminer. And let's not forget Spain, Alberino. Alberino comes from the Galitica area of Spain. That's that area above Portugal on the Iberian Peninsula. And it's a wonderful dry white wine. And then that same Alberino went to Argentina and now is Torrens. And that's a very nice one. Of course, that mysterious, they still aren't 100% sure that Alberino and Torrance are the same grape type, but they have some similar DNA. But anyhow, there you have it. There's a bunch of different wines from all over the world that are white wines that aren't Chardonnay, but are still absolutely wonderful. And just going over this makes me think, well, golly, aren't we fortunate? We have so many different kinds of wine to choose from. And you know, everybody thinks when you go to a wine country, for example, I remember a great old maitre d' in Bordeaux, and he could tell you, uh, he was a sommelier, and he could tell you everything about Bordeaux. And I asked him once, have you ever tried uh, Puy Fousse from Burgundy? No. And he, he wouldn't think of it. So when you go to the wine country, it's changing a little bit, but it's still just the wines they make there. Whereas we're so fortunate in this country, we have all of these different wines to choose from, from all over the world. And as I went over this, I was thinking, boy, there really are some phenomenal white wines around the world that aren't Chardonnay. Even if Chardonnay happens to be my favorite white wine, it certainly has a lot of competition out there. And it would do you well to try some of it and expand your wine knowledge and perhaps your enjoyment of food with these different kind of wines. And you can find all these great choices right there at Haskell's. Indeed you can. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. Ted Farrell has his new Red, White, and Rosé, 6 for 60, where he's got six bottles of wonderful wine, a couple of rosés, some whites and some reds to enjoy over the forthcoming holiday weekend, the 6 for 60 Red, White, and Rosé. And you can get them at Haskell's. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine, as you can hear listening to me. I just love to talk about wine. I love to pair wine with food, and they do the same. And they'll also 
pair of wine with the food that isn't going to cost very much. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior, Faribault. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. In Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Minnetonka. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. In Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Minnetonka, Plymouth. St. Paul, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. If you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, the folks at Haskell's do deliver, and we still have a couple of spots open on the uh, beer and wine cruise on the beautiful St. Croix River out of Stillwater. Uh, Just go to Haskell's.com and click on events, and it'll tell you all about it. Excellent. Thank you, Jack. Let's talk next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to it. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.